Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad that you were able to join us uh, online. And uh, before I get rolling here, I just want to make sure that I, I, I tell everyone, please stay tuned um, to the end of this. I got an announcement that I want to make then, but you're going to have to wait uh, before you hear it. So um, stay tuned, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the future plans for Thrive Church. Now, uh, I've said this many times, and you've probably felt it uh, as much as I have, but these are challenging days, aren't they? And we're dealing with all kinds of things, not just on a national level, but also on you know a state and local, and, and frankly, even on a, in a neighborhood and in my house type of level. Uh, everybody's dealing with some things at home. And in the first half of, of 2020, think about what's, what's occurred. We've had these racial tensions that have been just underneath the surface of, of our society for, well, a long period of time. And now they are bubbling up all over the place. And that's led to, um, you know, responses and reactions. And there's now some violence in, in the streets that uh, a lot of communities are attempting to, to try to understand and try to get their arms around and try to avoid. And, and there's this heightened awareness that we have um, of socioeconomic disparities between groups of people. And... Um, off to the side of these major issues, um, state of our economy is rather precarious, to say the least. Well, frankly, our economy's been in trouble for you know two, maybe three years, and we've had these incredibly high um, prices within the stock market. It's been going up and up, and and yet there's no economic fundamentals that actually support those prices, and. Recent action by the Federal Reserve, well, quite honestly, I, I think it's alarming uh, what the Federal Reserve is attempting to do. And so we've, we've got these other social issues and social unrest that's going on. And at the same time, you've got some very serious economic problems that are also um, beginning to stir or um, at least starting to be more or starting to be more conscious of them. Oh, and, and yes, it's the beginning of an election cycle. Um, and we're seeing that on our news feeds more and more. And you take all of these things and you put it under the pressure of COVID-19. And when we're all having to, 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 to stay home and, and to adjust kind of our behavior and how we live, live our lives. And, and it's just, just like how much more we can take. And... <laughs> Some of us are, are uh, even dealing with the additional responsibility of deciding when to reopen, which is what I'm going to talk about at the end, of, the end of the message today. So more on that a little bit later. You know, a year ago, um, I wouldn't have believed that we would be fighting over wearing masks during a public um, health crisis. Um, I, I'm not sure how that got to be a political issue when it's a matter of public health. And, and by the way, I would just encourage you to quit arguing with people online about that and you know, pretty much everything else. Look, here's the thing. You're not going to change anybody's mind, uh, especially online. And um, 
at the same time too, quit baiting people with certain memes and certain comments that are a little more inflammatory. And, and look, it's a good idea right now to take a social media fast. I think that would be a very good idea for everyone to kind of step back from the keyboard for a little while. Uh, I know that I have. Um, I've just gotten tired of seeing um, good people that I know and I love um, fighting with each other. I'm not sure that um, our causes or our passions um, are worth destroying relationships over. And so I just encourage everybody to take a break, um, at least for the next you know couple of months. This isn't going to get any easier, and digital fighting isn't going to help the situation either. So take a breath, I think is a good idea. And, and the truth of the matter is, um, it's easy to, I don't know, get down about this stuff, to be a little depressed. Um, at the very least, you're a little paranoid, right? Uh, you just kind of wonder what's going to happen next in, in the world. Or, and, and then you've got um, the, the decisions you have to make. How am I going to act? How am I going to uh, react to all of this? How am I going to, to behave and behave differently? And, and with all of the different options that are out there, there's a certain amount of paralysis that occurs because it's easier to do nothing than it is to try to make a decision about things. And I, I, I get it. We're not sure what to do or we're not sure what to say. And so we completely retreat from ev everything. Now, I think that's good to do tactically, but at some point you've got to have an idea in mind of, of how you're going to live your life um, and how your family is going to live. And it's hard to do. And, and what I've noticed is, and, and virtually every family, is that <clears throat> those types of things that are happening around us then begin to encroach in our homes. And because we're kind of you know, stuck with each other 24-7 uh, you know, without a whole lot of outlets to do different things, um, family relationships begin to get a little raw, right? I know that some of you have experienced that. You know, we have these people that we, we love the most and they're driving us crazy. And it's easy to wonder what's going on. It's like everything is, is sort of falling apart. Are, are you feeling it? I, I think you probably are. I know that you know, we've had those conversations in our house too. We see the circumstances and we wonder what's next. And yeah, maybe we better not ask that question, <laughs> what's next? And I, I feel like sometimes society is cracking apart in a variety of different ways and there's this wickedness that seems to be seeping through the, the gaps and, and you wonder, you just wonder, can it get any worse? And again, not a great question to ask. Well, Fortunately, um, we're not the only ones who've experienced this. Uh, there have been other generations where things have occurred and, and people have asked the tough questions and, and have kind of wondered the same things that, that we wonder. And, and history is filled with people who have had these pressing periods of times, um, just like we've, we have now. And so I wanna draw your attention to an ancient poet um, someone who wrote some verse a long time ago and see if 
Mm, see if it kind of resonates with you. And I'm going to be reading out of the Psalm 73. Uh, hopefully, hopefully this will strike a chord with you. The poet writes this, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. There's almost the sense that, yes, I, I know, God, God is good all the time, all the time God is good. Yes, you've, you've said that phrase too. And then he writes, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. That is a really powerful statement. You have someone who knows in their head that God is good and God is good to people and he's good to his people. And yet there's this moment in his heart where it almost slips, where he actually envies. And notice what he goes on to say. He says, they, meaning the, 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 the wealthy in this particular case, the wicked, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace and they clothe themselves, yeah, with violence. And he he begins to play the comparison game. And that is very um, common, I think, among, among human beings. We have this tendency to compare. We see our lives compared to other people. And of course, we're only seeing a portion of it, but we begin to do the comparison. And he says, I almost slipped I envied those arrogant people because look, look at what their lives are like. And, and this is what often happens online. We see them, people's perfect lives. Well, of course it's perfect. They're only showing you this much of it. And so we compare our feelings, our worst, to someone's public best. And, and it happens. And the poet is just, just saying something that's been part of humanity for thousands of years. And then he goes on in verse 12. He says, This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. And it sure seems like we still see this today. Unemployment, uh, some 40 million people unemployed, and yet there are certain um, company owners, wealthy individuals who can continually amass more and more and more. And we just kind of wonder why. And we, we see those, those ultra wealthy and there's an envy. There's a certain jealousy that, that we can have. It happens. It's hard not to because we're seeing it on our news feeds constantly. And this is where the poet eventually ends lands in verse 16. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. And that's where I think a lot of us are. We see what's going on in the world. We see the disparity. We see the, the, the differences in, in racial and socioeconomic um, divides. And, and we see this, this wealth gap. And we see, you know, there's supposedly no inflation. And yet my health insurance costs keep going up. And, and there's this kind of distrust underneath the service, oh, you know, over virtually everything. And when we try to understand it, we're deeply troubled because there are some things that just don't make sense. They just don't. And yes, we have this disparity 
Yes, there's violence in the streets. Yes, there's economic challenges and the elections. And hey, by the way, when we talk about, about those who are in power and those who are amassing wealth, it applies equally to Democrats and Republicans. Do not make one better than the other. There is a problem in the system. And if you're going to pick sides, that's fine. Vote your conscience. I understand that. But do not fall into the trap that one side is somehow more holy than other, and, uh, and uh, uh, the other side. It just isn't true. We have to look at something a little bit bigger. And it's hard to wrap our minds around these things. And in the back of our minds, we know that someone is benefiting from all of this from all of the chaos and we know that there's somebody out there and, and it troubles us and it should, frankly. It's interesting to me though that the poet in, in this particular case though doesn't despair. You know, he, he points these things out and, and he talks about his envy and he talks about his issue, but he doesn't fully despair because here's what he says in verse 17, the very next verse. In Psalm 73, it goes like this. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. When I went to church, then I saw a bigger picture. The paths that people follow, whether holy or wicked, go somewhere. They end up in a place. There is a trajectory. There is a, a pathway that is leading to some type of destination. There is an end to all of this. And, and he goes on and he writes, Surely you place the arrogant on slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes, when you arise, Lord. So there's not a despair here. There is a perspective that the poet gains when he goes into the sanctuary, when he comes into, as we say around here, the presence of God. So let's be clear about what's happening in the text that all of this, this change in perspective, comes from worship. Ultimately, it comes from his moment of worship. When we actually worship, when we, when we put God in the right position in our own lives, everything else is seen from that. Everything else falls into place. We begin to get a different perspective on things. It changes our point of view. And so... Like the poet, like the poet, we need to worship. If you want to not despair, if you want to get a, a different perspective on all of this. Now, I know, I know. It's like, yeah, okay, what if I can't go into church like, like, like now because of COVID-19 and, you know, we're sitting here in our living room watching online and, and you know, look, as I was reading through this, passage, an, another story came to mind. And I want to share that with you today because I think this is a, a very encouraging thought, especially in the times that we're living in now. Yeah, if you remember in uh, John chapter 4, Jesus and his disciples are traveling from one place to the next and they happen to be going through 
uh, a part of the country called Samaria. And um, this is not the nicer part of, part of the country, according to most Jews, but they come um, up on a village and uh, Jesus sits down at a well, sends his disciples in to go and get food. And while he's sitting there, um, a woman comes out midday to draw some water out of the well. Now, please understand, there are a lot of nuances to this particular story. There's a lot of things that we can learn from the interaction that Jesus has with this particular woman. But I want to point out one thing in particular. I want you to see what Jesus says to her in the course of their conversation. He says, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And that was one of the fundamental divides between Jews and Samaritans is that Jews believed that the only place to worship God was in Jerusalem and the Samaritans had their own holy mountains. And those two, <laughs> those two perspectives, those two political parties were always going to clash. And here Jesus is saying very, very clearly, there's going to be a time when you're going to worship the Father not there or here. These, these, these places that you're willing to, to argue and fight over ultimately aren't going to matter. And he goes on, he says, a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. You have to understand that Jesus is extracting the act of worship from the location of worship. The act of worship is different than the location, and that's ultimately what he's, he's saying here. And since the Spirit is everywhere, well, we can worship anywhere. Because God lives in us, his spirit lives in us, we can worship anywhere. So going into the sanctuary isn't about going to church or to a church building or to a school or wherever your, your church family meets, but it can happen right where you are in that particular moment. Because he is everywhere, you can worship anywhere. And here's what I, I think that means for all of us, is that we can get a God perspective at any moment in time. There is a bigger picture. There is something at play. There are things that we don't actually see. And we don't have to. But we can get into the presence of God and we can get a sense of that bigger picture. The poet helps us to see a much broader canvas, a much richer landscape. It's not just the bad news, but there are other things that are going on as well. So despite the challenges and the pandemics, here's the thing that I really want you to focus on. There is a God who still loves us. And, and all of the things that you're seeing on your newsfeed and on your television and on your, on your cell phones, all of those things, all those things that make you anxious and all of those things that give you 
certain amount of fear and are causing you to, to either be paralyzed or lash out at the people you love, all of those things, none of it took God by surprise. Not one little bit. God's not surprised by any of it. And he's a God of redemption and he can move in spite of all of those things. And here's the other, other piece of the puzzle. And this is the thing that you've, you've, you've got to grab hold of in your worship. Not only does he, he love you, but he cares about what happens to you moment by moment. And there are times where that's going to be tested because we, we, don't, we don't have all of the pieces of the puzzle. But we know that God is good and that we can trust him. And if we, if we find his presence... If we, if we find that place where we can be with him and gain that, that bigger pers- perspective and, and know that he's still on the throne and he still cares about what happens to each one of us, then we have, the, we have the strength and we have the courage to endure those things that come our way. Now, this isn't just kind of Pollyanna-ish thinking. <laughs> this isn't just um, kind of pie in the sky. The poet shows us this. I almost slipped until I entered the sanctuary of the Lord, until I entered the presence of God, and then everything changed. And I think there's a certain element of peace that happens. I think there's a certain element of wisdom in how to act and respond. And it may not be as quickly as you would like, but there is something there when we pause and, re- and we're reminded that God's spirit lives in us. And if we live being led by that spirit, that's what it means. To worship in the spirit means to be led by the spirit. If we do that, then we gain a perspective that not everybody has. And so ultimately, your government's not going to save you. Our passions and our opinions, while important, are still not going to save us. It's It's the presence of God listening and responding to the things that he's trying to teach us through these events. That's where you're going to see real redemption. That's where you're going to see, you know, true spiritual types of growth. The Father is looking for people who worship him in spirit and truth. And and I would just invite you to be truthful with God about those things. God, I am afraid of coronavirus. I am afraid of whatever it happens to be for you. I'm going to lose my job or the things that are, that are going on uh, on the news and, and economic conditions or whatever it happens to be. You, you know what they are. You, you know what they are. Just to be honest with God and say, this is the thing. Right now, this is what I'm worried about. But I worship you because I know that you're good and I need your perspective. And I think that that's the kind of wisdom that God wants to give you. And I trust that he will. So when I read through all of these things, it it seems to me um, that the message of Jesus, this, this message of hope that Jesus brings is made for times just like this. You know, it, it's easy to, or we think it's easy, to actually um, have faith 
and God when things are, are good. But, but Jesus brings hope in times like this. When there are plenty of things to be afraid of, when there are a lot of concerns, when there are a lot of hurt, and there's a lot of arguing and bickering and fighting and all these things that are going on, this is when the message of hope, this message that Jesus brings about the kingdom of God becomes real and it becomes powerful. And I think that if we find his presence and worship and we stay there, we're going to see what the Lord can do. And so I'm just telling you today, be encouraged. In spite of all those things that give you some anxiety, be encouraged that God is not surprised. He still cares about you. And the more you listen and the more you respond, you'll find yourself with a deal, uh, a great deal of peace. And you're going to feel maybe not better about things, but at least you'll know that you're walking with someone who will care for you throughout all of it. Let's pray. And Jesus, I'm, I'm grateful that um, your presence is with us. I am grateful that um, none of this took you by surprise. And I'm so grateful that you're good and that we can trust you throughout all of this. And so I pray that everyone who calls Thrive Church um, home, that they would be encouraged, um, especially in their worship. Uh, that even though they're not with a large group of people worshiping and they, and they are in their home and singing or maybe not singing and they're listening and they're, that they would have a sense of your presence um, more tangible, more, more palpable than maybe what they've had in the past and that you would just speak to their heart in such a way that it would give them um, the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it, whatever their circumstances. God, help us to pray for one another, to love each other through all of this as best we can, um, even though <laughs> it's going to be a little clunky and uh, we're not really sure the best way to do things. But if you're leading us, then we know it will be effective. And that's what we pray for. God, please protect our church family from the coronavirus and the economic challenges that are um, sure to come. We pray this all in Jesus' name.